G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You get upset when life is lost because you believe life is sacred. And the only way life can be sacred is if there's an alpha point. And we're all created by a God. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear the second half of Revelation 1. It's all a setup. Pastor Jeff shares some more about the book of Revelation, written by John, and about the justice that will ultimately come with the end of the earth. Your whole life is a setup for the glory of God, and that's why by the time we get to Revelation 4, there is a constant 24-hour worship service going on. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the continuation of Revelation 1. It's all a setup. Captain Juno, one of my favorite movies, a very deep, theological, philosophical movie called Bagger Vance, The Legend of Bagger Vance, which is a golf movie, <laughs> has Captain Juno, who's been wounded by the war, so he has post-dramatic stress. He's lost his faith, and he looks to Bagger Vance's caddy, played by Will Smith, and he says, let me tell you something, Bagger. He says, there's no difference between winning and losing and anything else or in between. What's lost is lost. A man lives, a man dies. And in the end, it all turns out the same. You're alone and that's all you're ever going to be. Will Smith, who plays Bagger, his caddy, says, let me get this straight, Captain Junior. You're saying a soul is born with everything the good Lord gives it and then things don't go his way. So the good Lord takes everything back and then the soul just dies alone. Is that pretty much what you're saying? Captain Juna, played by Matt Damon, says, that's right. Will Smith says, that's a sad story, Captain Juna. He says, yes, it is. And then Will Smith says, and that's just about the, the dumbest thing I've ever heard any fool say uh, ever. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, that's exactly what I believe, just like Captain Juna. There's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's no hope, and there's definitely no absolute morality. And our Christian's response to you is this. You say that, but it won't be very long until you undermine your own mind. You'll say there's no alpha point, but you'll live as, as if there's one. You say, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I gave you the example a few years ago of a friendly little debate uh, with a professor from Berkeley. And she had heard me speak and she came up afterwards and she said, Pastor Jeff, I like you, you're entertaining, but I disagree with your main premise that morality is absolute. She said, I think it's left up to the individual to decide for him or her what is right or wrong. And I said, no, you don't. This made her mad. I said, you say you believe that, but you don't live like that. We went on in the discussion to find out she teaches something at Berkeley. And I, I'm just going to leave out names and, and topics. But she did say that in the summer, she spends her time going to Africa to help the Africans see that the subjugation of women is a moral wrong. I kind of smiled and I said, excuse me? Uh, you go to Africa every year to help the African men learn that the subjugation of women and treating them as secondary citizens is wrong? She goes, yeah, what's wrong with that? I said, well, nothing. I actually agree with you, but the problem is you have no point of reference. You said there's no absolute moral law. 
And yet, who are you then to tell another culture that your culture is higher in morality than theirs? If there's no objective morality, if there's no objective moral values, then what makes your moral values better than anybody else's? Do you realize that anytime you stand up and say anything is wrong, you're assuming an alpha point. Without an alpha point, if we're time plus matter plus chance, there's no absolute morality, folks. It's all just dumb, blind luck. Anytime you stand up and say, you should not have slavery in Africa. Anytime you stand up and say, you should not subjugate women and oppress them the way that you do. Anytime you stand up and say, ISIS shouldn't do what they're doing. You're assuming that there's an absolute moral law to which we're all required to live. See, you say you don't believe, but you live as though you do. I remember when the tsunami hit Asia in 2004, I was in New Zealand, and New Zealand is incredibly atheistic, and yet the front page of the paper the next day said, why did this happen? Well, hold on a minute. Anytime you ask the question why, you're assuming an alpha point, that there's reason and meaning in the universe. If there's no reason and meaning in the universe, when a bunch of people get killed in tsunami, what's the answer? The survival of the fittest. You're not fit. You didn't survive. It's just nature doing what it's doing. Getting rid of the weak so this gene pool can be strengthened. You may say that theoretically, but you don't live your life like that. You get upset when life is lost because you believe life is sacred. And the only way life can be sacred is if there's an alpha point. And we're all created by a God. And so, you have one small problem. The first Christians saw their suffering in the light of the cosmic Christ who was and is the alpha point. He has the first word about our sufferings. He's not surprised by anything. He stands and he waits for us to get wherever we're going to get in our lives. And he's with us now and he'll be with us then. And because of that, the early Christians said, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because we know just like the cross of Jesus Christ that God will bring beauty, pattern, and design out of the chaos of our lives. How are you doing with that? The cross was the thing that encouraged them because they realized that it was possible to be in the worst, absolute worst situation of your life and be directly in the center of the will of God. You may not know how he's going to use it, but because they knew Jesus after the crucifixion sat on the right hand of the Father, they also knew that we too, if God requires our lives, will be with the Father. And whatever we suffered in this little itty bitty blimp on the screen of eternity, God's going to more than make up for in the life to come. And when we're with Jesus, our five billionth year, this will be nothing but a cloud and a haze. And so they said, this is the eternal God, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. How you doing with that? When things don't go your way, do you abandon God or do you keep your post? And you say, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I know who you are. You're Alpha and Omega. You have the first word, but it's this last part. He says, I'm not only Alpha, the first word. He says, I'm Omega. You know what that means? Let me help you. Here's our alphabet again. Now, this is not the Greek alphabet. It's the English alphabet. When the first century readers would have heard John say that Jesus said, I am Alpha, the beginning. Everything originates from me, but I'm also the Omega. Here's what they would have heard. Nothing gets past Jesus. Nothing. He's the end. He has the final word and the final say on every event of human history and on your life. Nothing gets by him. Somebody might say, well, you know what? If that's true, then God needs to get off his keister and do something about all the injustice in the world. If he has the final say, what's up? But remember, delayed justice is not the same thing as no justice. You hear me? You say, well, I I want all of this to end. Okay, so does God, and he will bring it to an end through Christ. But in the meantime... The only way God could take all the evil out of the world is to remove your freedom. Think about 
Think about evil is a result of what you and I do to each other. The only way God could remove the potential for evil is to take away your ability to have freedom. But if he takes away your ability to have freedom and to choose the course of your life, he takes away the capacity of love. And that's the very reason planet Earth and the universe was created in the first place. So what does he do? He lets you have your free will decisions and make your freedom. But one day justice is going to roll like a river. Somebody might say, well, Jeff, the reality is there's a lot of lives lost on planet Earth while God is busy pursuing love. But hold on a minute. Remember what we said. Isn't it true that no matter what you go through here, dude, it's just a blimp on the screen of eternity. There'll come a time in eternity future that you'll forget all about this. It'll be like, yeah, those were tough days, but you know what now? Compared to where I am now, that's nothing. Which is why I say to people, if it's true that God gave you life the first time, is it not also true that he can give you life the second time? And that the second life is far more glorious than the first. So whatever God requires from you here, he is able to replace it to an infinitely greater degree. Think about it. Yes, one day justice is going to roll like a river. And matter of fact, Revelation 1, 7, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, every, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. In other words, there's going to be a day of regret. Listen, there's going to be a day of regret when God extended grace to you. Every moment, every day of your life, you felt compelled. There was something inside you that was stirring. There was something happening very real in your life. But every time and every day you rejected it and went on with your own life. There is going to come a time near the end when grace is finished and all those who received it, all those who made Jesus their alpha point, no matter what you face and how difficult your life, how frustrating your endeavors, how cruel the world was or is to you. The fact that Jesus is the omega point means that the king will have the last word. Justice will overcome injustice. Love will overcome hate. Forgiveness will overcome retribution. Freedom will overcome captivity. Order will overcome chaos. He will make everything right. He is the omega. He is the king. And he will have the last word. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. You're listening to Revelation 1. Let's continue now with Pastor Jeff. And whatever he requires, whatever he asks you to endure, the comfort comes from knowing that the one who gave you life the first time can give you life again. And the life he gives you the second time is the life you've always wanted. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul asked the question, how can a seed go down to the ground, die, decompose, and then resurrect to a beautiful apple tree? We start as a seed. We end up as a beautiful, glorious creation of God. And anything we suffered, God more than makes up for it in eternity. Eternity, not just another lifetime. Not just another dot on the blip of the screen. But for eternity. And that's why God can recover. Because whatever he allows here that you don't think he should allow in eternity, he more than makes up for it. With a life you could never imagine. You know, the beauty of all of this I remember when I was a boy, and I think I told you this story when I was eight or nine years old. One, uh, and it's funny how you remember things about growing up, and there's some things you don't remember, there's some things you do. I tend to forget all the bad things I've done, but I remember all the good ones. Uh, and then I remember some of the strange things that happened in my life. Like when I was about eight or nine years old, I remember my mother waking me up at like 3 a.m., shaking me and saying, Wake up, Jeff, wake up, Jeff. And I, I'm waking up and saying, Mom, what are you doing? 
She goes, I'm sorry, son. I just had a dream. And in my dream, you were, you were hurt and you were killed. And I just had to get up and come in here and hold you and talk to you. And of course, what do you do when you hear your mom say that as an eight or nine year old? Get a grip, mom. Come on, man. I'm sleeping. <laughs> but then you grow up and you get married and you have children. And then you have a dream and you find yourself on the bedside doing the same thing to your children that your mother did to you. And there's something about the experience of losing something valuable that makes the experience of having them again infinitely greater. Abundance of food is far more glorious when there's been an absence of it. Perfectly healthy bodies are far more glorious when you've struggled with your body down here. Unconditional love from a heavenly father is far more glorious when you've never known that kind of love before. There is a sense, folks, in which all the pain in your life is a setup for the glory of God. Do you know that? When I was a boy, we had a dog, full-blooded collie. His name was King. We called him King. We, didn't, we weren't really nice. I mean, we weren't mean to him. We were just kind of apathetic. You know, it's, it's the kids who say, Dad, we want a dog, we want a dog, and a dog's fun for about the first month. And then you got to feed the dog and walk the dog and take care of the dog. My mom never liked dogs, so she would use the broom on him, just kind of sweep him right out of the house. We fed him, but, you know, we just fed him dog food, the same thing. I mean, how would you like to eat the same thing every day? I mean, we, we, didn't, we never took him for walks. He was there for our advantage and our luxury, but not necessarily for his own. And one day he ran away. I guess he had just had enough. And uh, we realized how much we loved that dog. Couldn't find him. And dad got us all out in the old Chevy Impala, and we started combing the neighborhoods trying to find this dog. Rode down the window in the summer air. Here, boy. Hey, king, come here, boy. Up and down the streets, up and down the streets. Couldn't find him anywhere. Overnight, we went home. We kind of wept, cried ourselves asleep. We thought we'd never see king again. Of course, the next morning, he was at his food dish waiting for some food. (laughs) I asked him how his night had been. He said, rough. How can you tell a joke like that? It, that is so bad, man. All I'm trying to say is when we got him back, we hugged him and we played with him. We started feeding him table scraps. I mean, he got the whole work because we realized in losing him what we actually had. The experience of losing something valuable or doing without something so precious often makes the experience of having that very same thing infinitely greater. Your whole life is a setup for the glory of God. And that's why by the time we get to Revelation 4, There is a constant 24-hour worship service going on and people are singing these words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is the Alpha and Omega and he has the last word about everything. Dr. Tim Keller says there are two kinds of people in the world then when it comes to pain and suffering and tribulation. He says, first, there are those who make God the means to their end. You with me? Make God the means to their Omega point. And then there's a second kind of person, those whose end is God and everything else is the means. In other words, they use everything in their life to get to God. Which one are you? Which one are you? Do you see God as the means to your end? You're going to try to get God to help you get the things you really want. Your end is really your own self-aggrandizement. And God says for those people who live that way in this time, their eternity will not be spent with God. Because that's not what they want anyway. 
They don't really pursue God for God. They pursue God to help them get what they really want. It's a mistake to think that they would be sad when they realize they're not going to be in eternity with God because if they've lived their life that way their entire time on planet Earth, why would they want eternity with something that they've never really pursued? The Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's an interesting phrase. It doesn't mean the teeth of smashing or punishment. It means the teeth of regret. Haven't you ever said, oh man, I can't believe. It's the teeth of regret that you lived your entire life apart from God. How do, you, how do you do that? Where are you in this? And so John, in a way to encourage, sees the glory of the Lord in Revelation 1 and he falls down. He sees this picture of Jesus where his hair is white. That means Jesus is wiser than the wise. His eyes are on fire, more penetrating than the deepest fire. His face is bright, brighter than the brightest sun. His voice is louder than the loudest waves in the ocean. And when John sees the glory of God in this chapter one, by the way, glory in the Bible means weight, weight, heaviness. When he sees the glory of God, he falls down. If you were to put a stone in the middle of a creek, is it not true that the stone will actually change the path of the water? Why? Because the stone has more glory. It has more weight. The stone has more matter. It matters more than the water. It has more matter than what is around it. Jesus says, look at me, I am the Lord of glory. I am the stone in the middle of the stream. Everything swirls around me. And only those things done for me, through me, and by my will will last for eternity. And so John says to his people, if you lose your home because you're faithful to me, don't worry, I'm with you. I will last, nothing else will. And I've got a home for you that can never be destroyed. If you lose your job because you told the truth and because you obeyed me, if you suffer anything out of obedience to me, don't worry. They won't last anyway, but I will. I am the Lord of glory and everything swirls around me. I've got all of the future in my hands. I am Alpha and Omega. I will have the last word on everything, everything. And you may think that I should intervene more in the world, but Jesus says, you have no idea how many times I say this far, no further. You have no idea what planet Earth would be like if I completely withdrew my presence. It's almost like God says, you're severely underqualified for this job of God, so let me do what I'm good at. You live your life for me and let me worry about the end. I am the alpha. Even when you live your life for me and things don't turn out the way you thought they should, live your life for me. Because remember, your pursuit in life is to get me. Let me worry about the end results of all that I ask you to do. I am the beginning. I am the end. Bow your heads, would you? Everybody, eyes closed. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room right now. I pray that you would give them a Jesus revelation to see him as he really is, the origin of everything, the beginning and the end. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now for clarity and for the Holy Spirit to fall on this place and for revival to come. If you're in this room and you would like to receive Christ, you've never made him the Alpha or Omega. Maybe you're like the guy last night who came up after the service, a young man, and said, you know what? I never thought of the alpha point, the origin, the beginning. Anything created must have a beginning. There is an alpha point and his name is Jesus and all of your life is in his lap. If you've never given your life willingly over to him, then you've not made the commitment yet to spend eternity with him and your whole life is a setup 
for glorifying God in your life now and in the future. If you would like to receive Christ, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. Repeat these words after me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need salvation. I know Jesus brought salvation. I make him now the savior of my life. I receive him as the Lord of my life. I give him full permission to direct the paths of my future. I give him full permission to use me for his glory. Forgive me of my sins, O God, through the cross of Jesus Christ and receive me into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you made that decision, I'm gonna ask you to make another one. Don't worry, I'm not gonna come back and chase you. (laughs) I'm gonna ask you that if you raised your hand and that's what you want, that after the service you would come and let one of our decision counselors pray with you and take you to your next steps. On every campus, you'll have those counselors and they're waiting. Now every head up and every eye open, can you give a round of applause for the decisions that were made? And now for you and me right here, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the originator of all things, that you have the final say in all things. And that before, before we get upset and begin to judge the one who judges all, help us to remember that our time spent on the earth is so small and minuscule. It's a blimp on the screen of eternity. And you have all of eternity to make it up to us. That this whole life is a setup for your glory. That when we realize our struggles and what we've lost, when we gain those back to an infinitely greater degree, that we will stand and we will praise, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Help us now to give in a way that reflects what we say we believe, that there is no more important endeavor than your kingdom. Help us to give cheerfully, with a grateful heart, willingly, for your glory. And help us to hold nothing back but to give you those first fruits because we believe that people are far from God and they need to come near. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And that's the end of Revelation 1, It's All a Setup. You can hear the full message now online. Just head to the Vision website, that's vision.org.au, and search for Jeff Bynes. Today with Jeff Bynes, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.